0: Good morning. I know one way for sure we could have brought rain from Nashville here if Mike had rode the vet. (laughs) That would have guaranteed rain for sure. (laughs) Bring it down again next time. Maybe we can get some more. We definitely need it. We're glad everyone's here this morning. As we always state, we're here to worship God and we're ever thankful that you're here a part of this as we do so. As we've lifted our voices in praise to Him and uttered our petitions before Him in a word of prayer. Now we can listen to Him as He speaks to us from His Word. One of the beauties of the coming of Christ into the world, from the time that the plan of salvation, or the fact that God had a plan already and ready to put into motion, when man sinned and from that point forward, we know all the prophecies concerning Christ, we know the things we'd say about His life, where He would be born, how, he, how His life would be like, and the things that He would do. In the midst of those prophecies of old, we find, especially in the Old Testament, several what we call descriptions of what the Savior would be like. We're all familiar with Isaiah 9 and 6, where there He would be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace. Reminded in Zechariah 6 and 12, there uh, Zechariah simply said He would be called the branch. When we turn to the New Testament from the time His birth is announced, we again have descriptions of Him that are used concerning Him and He uses concerning Himself. Reminded when He was born that He would be Emmanuel. That is simply that He has become God with us. As using that term, God was letting the world know, I have made a promise of the past through the Old Testament as I talked about it more and more and prophets talked about the coming of the Messiah. This one who has come in Bethlehem is Emmanuel. He is the God with us. We're reminded again the fact of known to us as the great physician. In this case, we realize that we're talking about the spiritual sickness that we have in our lives called sin, that He is the one who's able to heal us of those things by His precious blood that was shed on Calvary. He's known to us as the Lamb of God. We know this to be the fact that He was God's sacrifice. He took our place. His blood that was shed on Calvary that redeems us from our sins. He himself reminds us that he is the door. There's only one way into this kingdom that he would live and die for. And he says, I am the door. Tying with that would be what he said in the upper room to his disciples. We remind them again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, there's only one way into this kingdom, and it is through me and the things I have set up to become a child of God. Then he says, I am the shepherd. That is, That means simply that He is to lead us and to guide us. And we know that we follow in His footsteps, we know where we're going. It is through that narrow straight path that leads to the gate of pearl itself. But this morning we want to look at another one. This one is a little different from all the others. we will not find it in the Gospels. It is found in the last chapter of the book of the Bible. Where in Revelation 22:16, there Christ, him simply, says, "I am the root and offspring of David, I am the bright and morning star." And when you think about this description that Christ gives of himself, it is probably the most unusual description ever found. What is most unlike, if you can ever think of, than a root and a star? No human being in their right mind would have ever said, Oh, I know how to describe the Son of God. Let me call Him a root and star. People will look at Him and say, What do you mean by that? And here the Savior Himself says, I am the root and star. And the Holy Spirit guided John and says, Write this down. Our Savior wants to be remembered as all the other descriptions of Him as the root of David and the bright and morning star. Well, let's look at these two things for a moment this morning as we look at that statement made by our Savior. When we begin looking at this, we're going to contrast when we look at that which is very near to us versus that which is very far away. We realize that our root is as near to us as any green plant that we walk across or put our foot on as we walk across a yard or walk through a garden. Every green plant has a root system. And we know it to be the means of nourishment, of water and nourishment, as it takes those out of the ground to cause that particular plant to grow, whether it's something that you want to eat or an old weed, it makes no difference. They all have a root and it's all for the same purpose. But yet the distance to any star, though, is measured in light years. Light years. Light travels... At the unfathomable speed of over one hundred eighty-six thousand miles a second. That's uh, we don't we can't even fathom that. We don't have ability. I mean, time it's gone, it's passed before you ever realize it was there. That means in a year, light has traveled five point eight trillion miles in one year. That's how far a star is away from us. But yet at the same time, when we look at the Son of God, is He not near to us? Is He not close to us? This morning, as we have gathered here to worship in the Spirit and truth, has He not reminded us that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I will be in the midst of them? So this morning, He's with us. As we, have sin- as we spend our time in worship in remembrance of Him, as we worship our Heavenly Father who created all things, He is here with us. He's a part of our worship. That's what makes worship so dear and near to all of us. The fact that He is among us during this time. But let's draw it home a little closer. Can we not all say, like David of old, every child of God, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes, we can. He dwells within every one of us through His marvelous word. He's with us day in and day out. As long as we can hear, drink in that word and live by that word, He says, "I'm with you. I'm a part of you." As you walk your day life, He's that near to us. But yet at the same time though, He is further away than the farthest star that we can observe in the heavens even this day. We know that He's so great that time and space cannot contain Him. In other words, when the Bible says He's everywhere, that's exactly what it means. He's everywhere. Time and space cannot contain Him. And so to the whole world then, He is the Christ of the first century. And He will be the Christ of the last one when this world comes to an end. He is the Christ of the Damascus road. He is the Christ of every road in our lives. He is the Christ who is by that little child's bedside As that little child prays to God for his dog and his parents and the grass and the roots and everything else that little child may think of in his mind, he wants to thank God for, Christ is there. He's there. He's that close. He is the Christ of all races, of people. No one's been excluded. No one's been left out. He is the Christ of all races. And He's also the Christ of all classes of men no matter where they live and the grandest of home to the smallest of shacks. He is their Christ. He's among us all. And yet, and yet, He's still sitting at the right hand of His Father. The Hebrew writer calls it, the majesty on high. But also with contrast between that which is visible versus that which is invisible. A root in its natural state is invisible. And we well know that there are times that roots for some plants are so tiny It takes a microscope to see them if we pull them out of their natural state to observe that root of that plant. It is so tiny we need that to see it. But yet on the other hand, though a star is way off up there and it blazes its light at night and everybody can see it. As they stand on the face of the earth, as they're all at the same time. And we also realize some of those stars are so huge that it would take just an unreasonable amount of our planet Earth if we squeezed it together many, 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 many times to be the same size as some of the stars that we see at night. They're that visible to us. Here again, is not Christ like a root in the star? Is He not visible like a star? He's visible to the whole creation visible to all of us. Part of which we remind the fact that He reminds us as He did to the disciples as He began to leave them. All authority has been given to me on heaven and heaven and on earth. He's showing that His power will be visible to all. The power of that marvelous Word that He would give to disciples to preach to the whole world. He is the end, as we would say, of the Old Testament. He is the beginning of the New Testament. But yet, He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. His name, His influence, is felt throughout all of the world. It is a force so visible that only a fool could ever deny that he's ever been here. Because we all know from the time He set foot on this earth and did this world has never been the same since God walked with us. We know He's been here. And we think for a moment, look at all what Christ has done for women. As He elevated their role and says, here is your value. As the others would teach as the church began, women, here's the role. Christ wants you to do these things. This is what I want you to do in my kingdom. I have a job for you to do. You're not worthless. You're not a slave. You are a human being, and I want to treat you as such. The little children. What honor could be given to them to turn around and have them in front of you saying, be like them. He honored a child, a child, a child and says unto all of us who are his children, through faith in Christ, what is that? Be like them. Have their attitude toward life and everything else. For the poor and for everyone else and whose lands He has been honored, we see His influence every day. Yes, His visibility shines brighter than our sun who's 93 million miles away, who's lighting this earth up for us right now. He's brighter and more visible than that old sun. But yet at the same time, who can deny that we haven't seen Him? We have not seen actually seen the Christ, not in His natural state of being a spirit. No one has. We'll only see that at the end of time. When we stand before him and jump, no one's actually seen him. Yet, though, yet, his influence stealing in what we call the sacred places, at times unnoticed, at times maybe unherited, even at Times may not even be what we call unsung. But he's still working. Silently and quietly, as he influences and helps every child of God to walk on the face of the earth. We don't see him. We can't. We see him stealing through our hearts to influence us, and there's no child of God can ever say he never has. him what about as he works his way into the heart of the sinner through the power of his mighty word to woo them unto God through that word to become a child of his not seen yet the influence is there contrast that which was earthly versus that which is heavenly Christ is both perfect God and perfect man. Just as the root is of the earth and just as the star is of the heaven, Jesus Christ is both Son of Man and Son of God. Here's where we see what we call this statement made by Him, this dualship of His life when we look at it being the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Yes, He is the Hebrew of Hebrews. He is the only begotten Son, full of grace and truth, as John begins his marvelous Gospel and his description of Him. As recorded for us three times, He raised the dead. Yet, He died on a Roman cross. He who hurled the stars into the space throughout all the universe, whose calmed the sea by saying simply, peace, be still, who changed water into wine, was tired, weary, and had many days of no sleep. The contrast between that which is high and that which is low Star is high a root is low Christ is both we just got through singing it there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus no not one no not one none else can heal all our soul's diseases no not one no not one no friend like him is so high and holy no not one No, not one. Yet no friend is so meek and lowly. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus Christ came from heaven. The highest of the high. Beyond the universe. Through Him. Through God. Through the Spirit. They began all things as Moses writes to us in Genesis chapter 1. They created the heavens and the earth. If we looked at last Sunday morning about, is it well with the soul, we mentioned that one of the things need to be God's in control. And one of the things we mentioned in the present tense, He does what? He upholds all things by the Word of His power. Knowing that He created, it functions because He upholds it by the power of His Word. He's the Creator. And yet, He took on the form of a servant and was found, as the Bible says, in a fashion as a man. This humiliation of one so exalted is unique. There is nothing In all of this world, nowhere can we ever compare that to. It is not to be found. It is not to be found. In Him, we have the highest of the high and the lowest. Yes, He is the blessed and only potentate. Yes, He is the King of kings. Yes, He is the Lord of lords. But yet... Yet, he is Jesus of Nazareth all at the same time. Jesus of Nazareth, who was despised, who was rejected, who had no honor in his own country, was cast out, spat upon. Beaten beyond recognition and crucified. You can't, it's hard to fathom that. The highest of the high becoming this for us. And notice a unique thing. When he spoke to Saul of Tarsus, on the road to Damascus. And when Saul said, Who are you? Who are you, Lord? Notice, he didn't say, I am God. I am the Creator of all things. I uphold all things by the Word of my power. No. He simply said to him, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Whom you are persecuting. Why would he say that to Saul? To remind Saul what he said in that parable back in Matthew 25: When you do it on the least of these, you're doing it to me. Saul, the people you're persecuting, those Christians you're condemning to death, those Christians you're putting in prison, you're doing this to me. So he introduced himself to Saul as Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. We can't explain that. It's hard to fathom. But lest at the same time grasp. He's also, we're going to contrast him between that which needs man's care and that which needs Nothing. A star does not need us and don't need our attention. does not need us at all. We don't have the power to make it shine any brighter. We don't have the power to diminish its brightness. We don't have the power to move it from one part of space to the other. It is there and it shines. It does not need nothing man could ever do or think against it so it is with Christ he has no need of us of our devices nothing man can ever do could ever reduce or increase the everlasting glory of the son of god we can add to that there is nothing man can do i don't care how hard he's tried and how far he thinks he's been successful. But one thing is a surety. Man doesn't have the power to change that. We don't. We can't diminish it. We can't increase it. Why? Because it is the Word of God and His power is already known. We don't have that ability. Man's trying Oh, he thinks he's been successful. But he's been nothing but a complete failure. But as a root, he does need our help. He does need our care and our service. You know, root needs a lot of things to be able to help that plant grow. Warmth, atmosphere, moisture, light, etc., etc., we could go on and on. And man has the ability to supply those things when it's necessary. We know that. We've all watered and fertilized the lawn. So we know what we're talking about, our gardens as well. We understand that. But Christ is like the root, He needs us. He needs us. He needs our talents and needs our abilities. His Word is all power. We cannot improve upon it, no matter how hard we may try or think we can. But that Word, which has the power to save us, that power that's God's gift of salvation, as Paul said to his brethren at Rome, tells us to do what? Go into all the world. What? Us to do what? Go into all the world and proclaim this powerful message of God. See, He needs our help. He needs our abilities. He needs our talents. Yes, Christ can save us. His Word doesn't need any help. It it is the power of God to salvation. But He needs our help to spread it to all the world. each other and to ourselves day by day. He is the root and offspring of David. He is the bright and morning star. This morning as we close we start with the fact that yes, He needs us. He needs our times, He needs our abilities, and He needs our talents. To those outside of Christ, His power of His Word, is pleading. is begging of you to become His child. When you comply to what He says must be done, He's promised you you'll become a child of His. Your sins washed away and you raise out of that watery grave of baptism to become a new creature. And from this day forward, He will use your abilities and talents for the furtherance of His kingdom. But this morning if you're a child of God who's strayed from the truth, who's no longer walking as a child of God should, you're walking back into the world, back in sin. The Savior's pleading with you to come home. I've used you. I've needed you in the past. You've left me. I still need you. Come home. Ask for my forgiveness. And let me put you back to work as you should as a child of God. Think of these things while together we stand and while we sing.